We pray for our region. We know that we're under fresh orders, new restrictions. We want to pray particularly for our ICU unit and for the reality that it's now full of people, as I understand it, Lord. Young people in between their 20s and 30s as well. And Lord, we pray for your mercy, your strength, your power to be with all those who serve at Kelowna General Hospital in Jesus' name. We pray for the staff and for the nurses. We pray, Lord, for our city. That, Lord God, this uh, COVID virus will be gone in the name of Jesus. And, Lord, we pray that there will be a resumption of normal life for families, for people. We pray for those that are feeling lonely at this time, afraid, that are struggling. We ask that you'd wrap your arms around them and bless them, Lord. Comfort them. Comfort, Lord, I pray. Comfort, Lord, and come in your power, Lord. We pray, Lord, for our first responders and our firefighters in our province. We pray, Lord, Lord, that things will change and the fires will stop. We pray for those who have been evacuated and are find themselves in a very difficult situation, we pray that you'll be with them, Lord. We pray, Lord, for the forestry workers and those that are involved in the many wildfires, Lord. Lord, there seems to be so much going on, locally and globally. We pray, Lord, for Afghanistan at this moment. We pray for the thousands of missionaries that, Lord, you will be with them in this crisis in Jesus' name. But we also, Lord, pray for the underground church and for the threats that have been thrown towards the existing Christian community of multiple house churches throughout Afghanistan. And we pray that you will protect your church in that country in Jesus' name from murderous threats and from acts of violence. We pray. We pray for the Afghani people at this time. Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy. Lord Jesus Christ, come and bring peace and safety and security. We see the many frightening images at the airport and we pray. May the love of Jesus be at work at this time in Jesus' name. It's one of those times we don't actually know what to say, Lord, except to groan a bit. And hear our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Please be seated. Thank you, Luke. Thank you, Josh. For leading us. Um, Luke is getting married on Saturday. 
<laughs> I mean, you look like you're 12, mate. And he's, he's getting married. I mean, they're getting younger and younger. You know when you're getting old, don't you? When, when, you, uh, when your uh, intern pastors look young and, and also when the RCMP officers look really young as well, I guess. Uh, that's what we say in England. When the policemen start to look young, then you know you're getting old. So, um, do you say that in Canada? Yeah, you do. You're, you're nodding at me. That's nice. All right, thank you. Look at this beautiful bag. Uh, backpack giveaway is happening uh, next Sunday, our outreach as a church. Thank you so much for your faithfulness and thank you for your kindness. If you know families in the church and, of course, in the community that need a little bit of help and support, really, truly, we want to bless some families, yes? As they kids go back to school and as they move forward, and thank you for those of you, I don't know whose bag this is, but this is heavy. I think there's a, I don't know. Load of loonies in here. Uh, but, oh, yeah, uh, work out there. Absolutely brilliant. And uh, thank you so much for your generosity, for your, your kindness, for your times. I know for some of you, an uh, elderly gentleman who, who just dropped some off said to me, you know, he, he hasn't shopped for children, you know, in decades, years, if ever, and uh, he didn't know what to do, what to do, get the list, where to go, but pulled it off and arrived with two lovely backpacks. Isn't that fantastic? Absolutely uh, lovely. And so we want to continue that process and support our community. We want to acknowledge also in our community that we are in a shift. Um, people don't know whether we can meet as church or we can't meet. What are the information? And as far as we know, we are still allowed acts of worship uh, with no restrictions um, in terms of numbers at this time. We keep writing to Dr. Bonnie Henry and she does answer us uh, from her office. And she says, yes, you can keep meeting. So we are meeting. Um, I know that there is a confusing message out there. And, um, but we're trying to get our clarity as much as possible in terms of our communication. I want to share with you and talk to you about the fruit of the Spirit this morning. And the fruit of the Spirit I want to talk about is probably... And if you're new to church, and I know that some people is for the first time this morning, welcome. Thank you for coming. And we've been working our way through... Um, a list of what the Bible calls the fruit of the Spirit. It is characteristics that mark the life of a Christian. And these characteristics of, that are in the basket of God's of love, in the basket of, of God's love grows in our lives because when we have God's love at work in our lives, then these fruits grow and these fruits develop. Fruits like like. Joy and peace and kindness and gentleness. These are wonderful things within the character life of a Christian. They're wonderful things that mark us out as different in the world, like goodness as well within our lives. And it's encouraging and it's absolutely critical 
that we attend to our character, although we talk about the power of the Holy Spirit. It is character transformation that shows the world that we are those people that are different. These are characters that make that difference. It's those characters that come as God's character comes and works in our lives. And last week, we spoke about goodness, that we are made good through Christ, but we are People who do acts of goodness within the world and make a difference within the world that we live in. Well, I want to talk about faithfulness. If you're like me, you probably enjoy looking at stars and you enjoy gazing up. And there's always one constant star, isn't there? The North Star, the Northern Star. It's the, at the end, you've got the Big Dipper or the Ladle. And below that, you've got the Little Dipper. And at the end of the Little Dipper, you've got the North Star. The North Star has been that constant guide for travellers as long as we can remember and for seafaring uh, sailors as they went out. It was the North Star that it's faint, but it's there. It's ever-present. It is there that guides and leads. In fact, when... When the uh, slaves were fleeing the tyranny and injustice of the southern plantations and heading towards the north and going towards uh, Canada and, and so on, they used to sing old folk songs about follow the ladle. Uh, follow the star, because if you head north and follow the star, you will find freedom. Why? Because that star is always faithful. And if you follow that star, you can escape and you can find freedom. Follow the star and it will make a difference within your lives. God is faithful. And what we are called to do, we are called to follow Christ through the challenges, through the difficult times, through the times that we face. We are called, all of us, to follow that star and to to step into it. And faithfulness, in in the actual um, idea of faithfulness, is a Greek context of the word uh, pistis, which means to believe, to have faith, to trust to keep going. The very nature of what the Christians adopted as they wrote it in the Greek language, there was a a god, Pistus, that kind of was this this figure. They they took it and they changed the word and they made it clear in the Greek writing of the New Testament that there is only one true, faithful, true, believable, true, trusting God presence in the world, and that is the presence and the power of God within our lives. God is faithful. And when you think about what we face and what we go through, I want to remind you that God is faithful in your life, that even through the dark times, First 2 Timothy 2.13 says, if we are faithless, God will remain faithful. And the challenge is to keep reminding us and ourselves that God is faithful. And if we hold on to God, he will not let us down. 
He is there. We can trust him. We can believe in him. We can follow him. We can trust that God's faithfulness is with us. There in Hebrews chapter 11, it talks all about the great people of faith. Those that believed all the way from Adam through to to Noah, through to Abraham, through to Moses. These people stood out for their faith and, and they were faithful to God. But as I read that chapter, it reminds me that yes, they were faithful, but God was always faithful. And we see that played out in our lives, don't we? We see it worked out when we see the faithfulness of God. And what I've got to be able to do in my faithfulness is to bow the knee and be obedient to Christ. That I want to be faithful. That I want to be obedient. And at the end of that time, we will turn and say, he will say, well done, good and faithful servant. And if one thing the COVID epidemic has shown us, it has shown us that that God is challenging the church to faithfulness. God is challenging each one of us to, are you willing to hold on to me through the challenges of this time? Are you willing to be faithful in your relationship with me? Are you willing to hold on? Are you willing to believe? Are you willing to allow that faithfulness to flow through your life and make such a difference? But where does the true faithfulness come from? It comes from being friends with God. And I, I don't know if you've ever heard this for some of you, but I want to remind you that we, you and I have a friendship with God. And in that friendship with God, God is faithful to us that he is with us. Just as Isaiah declared the very truth, but you Israel, my servant Jacob, whom I have chosen, your descendants of Abraham, my friends. Hear the prophet Uh, inspired by the Holy Spirit, gives us an insight that Abraham was a friend of God. And what you and I have embarked on in our lives and what is so unique about Christianity is that we haven't stepped into a religion, we've stepped into a friendship and that friendship is real. That friendship is where he hears our prayers. He is with us every day. That friendship is where you can walk with him and he knows you. That friendship is tangible and his presence in our life is real. That he comes to us when we are feeling stressed out. He comes to us when we're feeling conflicted. He comes to us when we feel we can't cope. He comes to us through times of grief and difficulty. And when he comes to us, he comes to us as our friend, like Abraham, as a friend that is with us, as a friend that is there. Because as James says, Abraham believed God. And for every one of us, we're all on a journey of growing in our friendship and our relationship with God. It's so easy to slip. It's so easy to lose that connection. It's so easy to walk away and not to be there in friendship. Friendship's a beautiful thing. Although, of course, we all know that friendship can also be a bit confusing at times, can't you? Because we've all had that that strange friend, or that friend we love to hate. Do you have that at school? You had your best friend, you loved them, but you hated them because they were so cool, they could do everything. 
I don't know, I had that kind of friend. He was like, he was perfect in every way. I was a bit of a, I was a bit of a, I was always chosen last on the football team, you know. You know, I know, thank you for that deep R that came from this vast crowd. It was wonderful. I, I, okay, who's going to have Collins? Because I'd, you know, and Collins would walk forward. Whereas my friend, you know, he's, he's, he's just kind of like, he did everything perfect. Even when we dived into the school swimming pool, he came up, he'd flick his hair, and his hair would go perfect. I loved him, but I hated him, right? But I have had the privilege and continue to have the privilege of having some of the best friendships, long-term friendships, wonderful friendships. And those friendships have been built on vulnerability. They've been built on honesty. They've been built on regular connection. Those friendships, even though there are miles of distance between us, have been built on consistency, on, on, on being there, on being available, on supporting people in that journey. And friendship that is trusting, friendship that enjoys lingering together, friendship that enjoys a an honesty and a trustworthiness to be present in a person's life is something that is remarkable. I've got friends still. I've got one of my oldest best friends is from Worcestershire, England. He's, he now lives in Sexsmith Grand Prairie. He's an English boy. And he married a Canadian girl from Sexsmith. Can you imagine that? Do you know that place? I went there and visited him. And there were just two grain elevators, one shop, three churches. And I sat in the bench in the middle. And he came and sat next to me. And I just looked at him. I said, oh. You must really love her. <laughs> Honestly. You must really love her. <laughs> He does, he's there, and I have an occasion to go for a funeral uh, to uh, Grand Prairie uh, this coming week and, and uh, lead one. And, and I, I text him, and I'll see him in Sexsmith outside the grain elevator across from the general store, and he's probably turned up on his skidoo um, because it's, it's snowed there. <laughs> it's raining all at the moment. But you have to make an effort. You know, we're 14-year-olds together, but you have to make an effort. You have to be willing to stay connected. And you have to do that with your relationship with Jesus. You've got to be willing to get up and have those devotions. You've got to be willing to do that listening prayer. You've got to be willing to journal. You've got to be willing to ask the Lord, what are you saying to me at this moment? And we can forget so easily, Jesus said to them, he said, I, I'm no, I call you friends now. John 15, verse 15. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I've learned from my father, I have made known to you. I call you friends. And faithfulness is about 
knowing that God isn't some kind of master that is looking at you in a disproving way. Faithfulness is that God is your friend. You have a relationship. He is with you and he is there and he cares for you and he wants to walk. And why are you friends with God? Because you obey my commandments. In other words, you obey what I ask you to do. You obey. You listen to my voice. You follow my instructions. You're listening to the way I'm guiding you. You're listening to the way I'm leading you. I am with you. And that is the most glorious thing about our Christian faith. It's the thing that attracted me to becoming a Christian was the fact that I could have a living relationship with God and that Jesus Christ would become my friend. And let me tell you, from the day I gave my life to Jesus as as somebody that did not know God, who wasn't raised in the church, I can tell you that I've had a friendship with Christ for over 35 years that has been real. It's there. And the danger is, is that you lose your faithfulness. You lose your friendship. Everything else gets in the way. And you lose that. You lose that sense of that friendship. You say, but I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a sinner. He wants to be my friend like he was with his disciples. But I know I fail. Can I remind you that Jesus Christ is the friend of sinners? Can I remind you that we all fail? That we all are recovering Pharisees? If you have a support group for Pharisees, I'd be the first to join. We're all capable of being religious without the relationship. We're all capable in our lives of drifting away from God and losing that faithfulness and that closeness. But we see how Jesus welcomed tax collectors into his his crowd. And we went and sat with a woman by a well in John chapter 4 who had had five failed relationships. She was probably suffering from some kind of emotional PTSD. She was probably been traumatized and the man she was living with was not her husband. He had a word of knowledge. Not only was she failed in relationships, probably because she was used as a piece of rag amongst that that little community, used and abused and passed on within that Sumerian community. She was nobody. She didn't even have any friends because women always went to the well together, but she was alone, which suggested that she was even an outcast from the women in that community because of the kind of person that she was. She even didn't know how to worship God correctly. Samaritans sacrificed on the mountain. They worshipped a hybrid version of Judaism and a mixture of different things. So not only did she have it wrong in her marriage and her relationships, not only was she alone with no friends and lost in her pain, not only was she theologically lost in a swirl of, of, of a mess of religion, And she was there alone and Jesus came to her. You see, Jesus 
is always generous and gracious towards sinners. But he hates the power of sin in people's lives. And you and I know that when we sing about freedom, we know that Jesus Christ sets us free from the power of sin and death. That those problems, those insecurities, those jealousies, those anger, that unforgiveness, that part of your character that you do not like, you know as you get closer and closer in your friendship with Jesus and you're willing to surrender that part of your life over, he comes and he sets us free. Sets us free. But we've got to be faithful in our friendship with him. Faithful in our devotion. And he understands. You know, we all have friends that wander off. We all have friends that make choices that we don't like. Have you had those friends? It's like, Really? You're making that choice for your life? That hurts. That's inconsistent with my values. But we travel with people and we win them back and it goes up and down and we work with people. Because Jesus is still willing to work with you and I. And you see, faithfulness, when we think about faithfulness, faithfulness is a sign of maturity. I know I'm preaching to the choir here because you are faithful. You are mature in your Christian faith for many of you. You know, our church is beautifully full of faithful, mature people. It's a sign of maturity. It's a sign that God is working in us. The way that we build faithfulness. The way we build consistency. We are a way we allow that faithfulness to grow within our lives. And the one thing I know about faithfulness is that if you are faithful in the small things, if you are faithful in the small things, he will give you more things to do. And you will grow in your maturity. It's the rule of the kingdom. He gives you a little and you take that and then you do this and then you grow and he gives you more in all kinds of different ways. Maturity that we become faithful in serving in the small things and then the small things grow and we see how God can use us and God sees how we are faithful and like the man with the talents and they were given, the servants were given all the talents to invest and to use. And when the master returned, he saw what they did with the small amount and how they invested it well. And so maturity is about being faithful in the small, being faithful in the prayer meeting, being faithful in the area that God has trusted you with that people that you're discipling, being faithful Step by step. And out of that maturity shows our willingness to always be obedient to what the Lord is asking us to do. I mean, how many of you have heard God's voice to do something, but you've managed to ignore it really well? I won't ask you to put your hands up because when I've done this in the past, it is frightening how many of us are a bit disobedient. 
You know what the Lord's asking of you. You know what the Lord wants from you. But so often, but maturity comes when you hear his voice, you act upon it. When you're obedient, you do it. When you're there and you get this new idea or this prompting to call somebody or to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit within your life, it is the most wonderful, it's the most terrifying, it's the most exciting thing that can happen when you foster that faithfulness within your life and that faithfulness grows and he gives you that small thing and then you're faithful and then he gives you more and then, and then you're obedient within that because God loves the fact that there's always room for improvement in your life and in my life. There's always room for growth. There's always room for opportunity to grow. As Galatians says, Christ is formed in you. Galatians 4.19 The word formed in the Greek is morpho, meaning the inward and real formation of the essential nature of a person. See, what Christ wants to come and do in our lives, he wants to form. He wants to grow in you. He wants to change you. He wants to morph you. He wants to bring that difference. It's a really interesting word in the Greek as well, because it has the idea, do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed, be morphed, allow Christ to grow within you, to change you into the kind of person that God wants you to be. The actual Greek word is linked to the idea of an embryo that is growing within a womb. Isn't that beautiful? The idea that there is something profound, something beautiful that is growing within you. And you know what we want to have grow within us? We want to have the presence of Jesus to grow deeply within us, to be with us. Oh, I remember, I remember when, um, when we were pregnant. We had to look after a baby the other night, a six-month-old baby. Uh, There was somebody dying, and and the daughter came and and dropped off uh, a six-month-old baby. Uh, It was a very sad circumstance, but I enjoyed having a baby in the house. It was was gorgeous. Just to sleep there, I was. And uh, (laughs) right there, oh, wake it up. So gorgeous, wake it up. <laughs> little little girl. I'm pretty handy with having had three daughters. We started off with twins. I know there's some twin mums here. They, it's, it's wonderful. And you know that even in the womb, I, uh, Michelle would say, this one has this character and this one has that character. It's, it's, it's true. And they're still the same today. They're 22, but one's wriggling and moving and always moving in a different position, always doing something, never stops. The other's kind of a philosophical thinker, and she had to poke her, wake up, and make sure. And the characters, and when they came out, it was, yes, one came out holding a mobile phone, texting, and, and the other 
came out reading a philosophy book. <laughs> Sisters born from the same womb. But you could tell the character even then. And this lived out that way. The word morph in the Greek is that you have the embryo, you have the presence of Jesus Christ growing within you. And that becomes your character and that fills your life and that God is with you and you become faithful. And the more faithful you are, the more Christ grows in you and you become a better husband, you become a better wife, become a better, a better person. You become, you start to change. You start to be a different because Christ is transforming you and you're not conforming to this world. It's the most beautiful thing. You have to lose yourself to find yourself. And you have to grow something within you. And that is the presence of Jesus. See, let me give you a bit of my reasoning here. Reason number one. He is all wise and knows better than anyone else what is the best for my life. Do you agree with that? He's all wise. He knows what is best, better than anyone else what is best for my life. Okay. Two. He is almighty and has the power to accomplish that which is best for me. So by that reason... Three, he loves me more than anyone else in the world loves me. So he knows me. He has the power to accomplish everything within me. And he utterly loves me more than anything else. So the only conclusion is, in my mind, therefore the most logical thing the Christian can do is to surrender his, her life completely to God. That's the logical thing. Surrender it all to God. Give it all over to Him. And say, yes, Lord. Take my talents. Take who I am. Take my abilities. Grow something beautiful in my life. Transform me. But it's always out of faithfulness. Are you being faithful now? Are you living a faithful walk with the Lord? Or are you drifting? Is it time to surrender it all again and be faithful? And maybe you're not a Christian. And I hope you've understood at least half of this. Let me encourage you that that friendship business is real. And maybe this morning you need to introduce yourself to God and say to Jesus, I want to be your friend. I want to know this. What that English pastor's talking about. I want to know this. I want to live it. I want that friendship. And believe me, when you want it and you're willing to say sorry for the way you've lived and confess your sins, say, Lord, and invite him into your life and say, you're number one now. I don't quite know what that means, but I'm willing to go for it. Boy, your life can be transformed.
And as we finish, maybe you know that there are areas of your own life. There's time for faithfulness. And maybe just take one of these cards that are spread around and we'd love to talk to you. We'd love to connect with you. We'd love you to know if you'd like to know more about the Christian faith and we'll contact you at the beginning of the week and connect with you if you want to make that life-changing step and you want to grow in faithfulness, you want to develop in your relationship with the Lord. Let's stand together. Let's take a moment and just pause before our Lord and maybe you need to tell him some things now. Maybe it's time for you to rededicate your life. Hand everything over to God. Allow that friendship to be fostered again. We've got all the resources for you to help that relationship. You can go to our online courses and you can immediately start a course on how to hear God's voice in your life. You can step into a deeper knowledge with God right there and then easily today. There's other courses that will help you, online courses that you can connect immediately with how to learn to find peace. It's called how to contemplate your way through COVID, how to meditate on scripture in a way that it transforms your life. You can do it today. You can make a change today. You can find freedom today. Lord, forgive me when you tell me to do things and I'm not as quick as I should be at doing them. Forgive me and forgive us, Lord, when we know that we have a calling to do a task and we haven't even followed through the small thing. Help us, Lord, to have the hunger of God in our hearts to grow. to grow deeper in you and to know you, filling our hearts and our lives, Lord, I pray. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hey, guys, lead us into the presence of God now at the end of this moment. This isn't just a closing song. It's, it's where we allow the Lord to seal something deeply within us. And we do our business with the Lord.